Welcome back to We Muse Aloud, a podcast where anonymous voices share their thoughts on a theme within a dreamscape of music and ambient sound. The theme of today's episode is aliens, life on other planets. Are we alone in the universe? Will we ever find out? What do aliens look like? What are they doing right now? If you could send a message to a civilization on a planet beyond our galaxy, what would you want to tell them? As always, We Muse Aloud is best enjoyed with headphones. And possibly hallucinogens, but we neither recommend nor condemn their use. As the expression goes, you do you. And now, Episode 4. Aliens. Do you think that aliens have ever visited Earth? Yes. And what have they done when they've come here? They have basically checked out round, and they haven't done anything bad, I think. So once they checked around, they left because, like, they were just, like, doing, like, checking around stuff. When I was a kid, we saw this, uh, it's like this famous UFO video. So it's like three lights in a triangle and uh, just they move really fast. And I remember being a kid in Dartmouth and we were playing basketball and we saw something like that. And, uh, and it wasn't until probably a year or two later that I saw a documentary where they were talking about it. Um, and that, I was just obsessed with that stuff after that. It's really like once TLC stopped doing, uh, like the Learning Channel, where they stopped doing documentary videos, like popcorn documentary videos. But when, once that stopped, I felt like it went downhill for me. I have a lot of very, very vivid memories um, from being um, in preschool. One of the first times, one of the first books I ever clued into, um, there was a there was an astronomy book in my preschool, and I would have been about three or four years old. And in this book, they they said. Hey, so the the Earth is a planet, and it circles around the sun. So, on the first day of grade three, um, the teacher sat the whole class down in the carpet, and she asked us, "What questions do we have?" And she wrote, I guess, questions on the board and circled it, and then was going to write down all the questions. And I guess for the rest of the class, there was some assumed or implied boundary on the the realm or the expanse of the questions that she must have been referring to because other people were asking things like I don't know what are my classmates like or uh, what are we going to learn in math and I was like is there life on other planets um, and there are other planets and there are you know spaces big and I remember this blowing my mind and and ever like and, and it was a very clear delineation that like my 
now lifelong obsession with space had that that start point. It's really big and you could easily die. That was the first time I ever even considered the fact that that you know we weren't just kind of on a on a plane and you know walking back and forth you know between houses and that maybe there was something up high in the sky and that there was bigger stuff going on. I think just in terms of how large the universe is, I'm pretty confident that there is life somewhere, but the universe is really fucking big. So, uh, there, there may well be life on other planets, but they could be inconceivably far away, and we may never contact them ever. I think, I think it's like considering the size of the universe, the ever-expanding size of the universe, that, that there has to be life out there besides here. Like the fact that you could just have this one spot in the universe seems uh, completely ridiculous to me. I got really into the X Files, and I think it's because I was raised religious and so if you're raised very religious it kind of opens your brain up or it can uh, to strange possibilities because if you really believe that God was a burning bush and gave commandments to someone on a mountain and you know flooded a city you know there was an ark and all that shit if you really believe that and I was really trying to as a kid then you can't turn around and say like, well, it's inconceivable that like aliens exist and have made contact and the government knows about it and the conspiracy goes all the way to the top. Like, I, I think in some ways that sort of religious upbringing conditions you to be open to uh, that kind of thing. For somebody who tried to be an astronomer and who's always loved space, um, I'm still blown away on the rare chances that I get a chance to see the unpolluted sky and just see how vast it really is um, and really like like to, to get that sense of what that that infinity really means in the context of yourself and it's unfathomable but it's it's a bit less unfathomable when you're a city kid standing out in the country and you see the entire galaxy stretching out you know over top of you Yeah, I, I think there, there's a good chance uh, I've made peace with the fact that I might never meet an alien. Uh, although, I, there was a time I really, really wanted that to happen. What do you think they think about us? They think that we are weird in a way. What's weird about us to an alien? Well, sometimes we think that aliens are weird and like, we, they have weird things to us, and they have, and we have weird things to them. Would you like to go into outer space? Yes. And what would you want to do there? Um, I'd like to check around and explore. Um, would you rather, would you rather go to Mars or live on the space station? Um, live on the space station. Why is that better than Mars? Um, because on a space station you have like um, more sources and stuff and Mars is just like um, cover is just like a giant red rock floating in outer space 
And on Mars, there's lots of volcanoes, so it's like you can die easily on Mars. I guess I think about how we always assume that an alien must have a humanoid form or consciousness. I read an article once that said that like most times when aliens are depicted in science fiction movies, they're usually something that's, like if you're gonna design an alien with a completely different form, it's usually something that is still like familiar to Earth people. Or that it even has a form. Um, and so I guess my mind just blows pretty soon um, when I start thinking about that. Like, as opposed to, like, having aliens that are, I don't know, like, prisms or something like that. Like, like bug aliens are really popular. Reptilian aliens are really popular, like fish aliens. But they're always... These character designers pick the things that, like, people recognize, but also we don't equate with ourselves. Like, aliens, um, like, in the form of animals that are sort of, like, further away from our experience like and bugs and fish are definitely in that category well i read a thing um i think it was national geographic as a kid that said the idea of you know hyper intelligence spider monsters is probably not true because your brain every extra limb that you have takes extra brain power so if there are beings that are as intelligent as us they're probably pretty streamlined uh, so in that way, the concept of the typical gray alien with, you know, the big head and, the, and basically look like us is probably not too far off. Because if you have eight limbs, a lot of your brain power is going to um, coordinating those eight limbs. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about, you know, is life on other planets going to look like us? Um, and I thought, you know, there's the, the example where you have like, like, you know, birds can fly and bats can fly. And birds and bats have come from two completely separate lines of animals, like, you know, um, but both of them have evolved wings. It's just that the birds did it out of their limbs and the bats kind of took a mammalian hand and said, OK, well, what if we stretch this a bunch? Um, and the point is, the, the, the takeaway there is that you have these evolutionary pressures and they create similar forms. So I think the people that think that aliens will look like us, they can, you can at least rest on the confidence that evolution kind of presses things to be the most functional version of themselves. So there, it's a bit of a human ego, but it's like, well, maybe humans are the best biological form for being smart, intelligent things that can use tools. Um, so maybe if there are intelligent beings on other planets, evolution has pressed them to look the same as us, or maybe we've been pressed to look the same as those other aliens. I think they... I think they have big heads, and they are like this kind of tannish, tannish like dark, dark green. It's this weird t kind of green, and... And they have like ray guns and stuff. I think what we've conceived, the various different kinds of aliens that we keep talking about, they, they're archetypes. Like they're, they're almost Jungian sort of, like they're, yeah, they're real primordial 
way back in the the back of our brains and yeah and we create these monsters or gods or benevolent keepers um, but yeah there's something I guess yeah primordial If we want to go like super theoretical, it's this, uh, I was reading up on Lacan because I'm a huge fucking geek. Uh, yes, okay, awesome. So I was reading up on Lacan and talking about this idea of, um, I forget what the exact term is. It's like, it's it's the real, but then there's the, the subject or the, it's another concept that he uses. He talks about it, how it starts to structure uh, your way of communicating, right? And your way of thinking. So if I were to like, uh, give you a chain of thoughts, you would be able to sequentially make sense out of them. So a tra- train of thoughts, just like saying, um, like famous political figures. And if I went like Mahatma Gandhi, if I went Bill Clinton, if I went uh, Trudeau, like that's kind of makes sense. But the second that you start throwing in stuff like out of Guinness, it's like there's this little aspect where you know it's not following the, the, the chain that it should be. So that's like otherness in a certain sense coming in. Um, that's that the real or the, the larger like aesthetic ideal, the, the outside force kind of like invading your space in a way. So it's unfamiliar and challenges what you might think of like, well, it doesn't challenge, it just disrupts you in a certain sense. Can you measure what's going on in another place by the light coming off of it? You know how they're like, this is what is happening. We can we recognize that there's this other place because of the shifts in light. Now, as everything that we do on Earth contained in the shift of light from another perspective, do you know what I mean? Like you're like you watch the shift of light and you can see this conversation going on if you keep analyzing the light and keep analyzing the light. Is that is that what's going on with light? That is what I wanted to know because the the scientists are always saying. Okay, and we uh, we recognize that there is a, a planet because of this shift in a slightly red spectrum, and you're like, the entire planet can be measured that way. If you continue to analyze that light, do you see each and every action that is committed? How does light work in that way? Do we uh, are we suspended throughout time, going to another planet? Are all our actions? encoded in the light. That is what I wanted to know. They're, I think they're more intelligent maybe than us. They maybe may have like floating cars and stuff like those. Well, yeah, that's the issue I take with a, a lot of conspiracy theories, especially like the, that idea that there are these, you know, sort of evil, manipulative, intelligent beings that have been quietly, like, orchestrating things behind the scenes for years. Why? Like, if you're if you're so intelligent that you mastered interstellar space travel, why even bother fucking with some monkeys? Like, who cares? Um, I'm, we all like pets, but not that, you know, like, not to the point that I orchestrate, like, the politics of people's cats. <laughs> but 
the, the cat could be part of it too, man. The cat is part of it always. The cat is always there as the other creature in your house. There's always a cat, a furry creature is just there looking at you, saying nothing except for the wow and things like that. It's possible that we're the first sentient life in the universe um, because I remember thinking, okay, so the universe is 14 billion years old, just shy of 14 billion years old. Um, but at the beginning of the universe, there were no heavy elements. There was just a universe of hydrogen and, and a little bit of helium because of nuclear fusion. Um, so the needed, you know, the only heavy elements, it's like, you know, Carl Sagan says, we're all made of star stuff. That's because what happens is you get these really big stars um, and they're so large that they can actually fuse the hydrogen into something useful like carbon or oxygen or nitrogen. Um, but the point is, you still need, in order for there to be any carbon in the universe, you still need for there to be a giant star that lives an entire life and explodes and blows all the carbon then that it's made out into the universe so that then a second generation of stars can, you know, accrete planets all around it made out of things like, you know, carbon and iron and nickel and gold and whatever, then that needs to settle into a planet, then, you know, a billion years later you can get complex life on it, and then like in the case of Earth, you're talking three or four billion years later you get things like dinosaurs or things like people. Um, so suddenly the 14 billion year life of the universe doesn't seem to me to be that much time, you know, like if, if we're supposed to be living in a universe that's populated by, you know, space civilizations that have been around for billions of years, there's not as many billions in the life of the universe as you would think. If you look at Mars, there was apparently water on Mars or like so. Yeah, it's perfectly reasonable there would have been something way before Earth was, certainly way before humans were on Earth, right? Um, but, like, okay, so you know that, I think it's Next Generation, there's this episode where they find this uh, uh, sentient rock form. Have you seen that? Yeah, so I think they, they go to a planet um, and they, they're trying to, like, terraform the planet, so, like, completely reconstruct it. They start getting this resistance because they, they realize they're committing genocide on this mineral deposit, this intelligent mineral. Um, and it just is so outside their framework of understanding um, that it challenges everything that they've done. Um, the basic conception of what life is. So, like, who's to say that they made objects, right? Like, we make tools. We're apes. We make tools. Not everything makes tools. So, I don't know, maybe they're derived from lizards or something, right? So, I don't think lizards make tools. There, yeah, there could be hyperspine snake aliens. Um, obviously, they run the government. Each of the movies that you see is like, here come the aliens. And it sounds like, the, <laughs> it sounds like each and every society that has moved into another society. And they, I mean, that's the, like, that is, that is what the, uh, the story is the narrative and you know we're and the, the whole thing too is we're still trying to deal with it like we were speaking before uh we are still dealing today with the fact that we don't know how to treat each other even for a second we don't know how to treat each other if it's the the other person and in every great tradition 
uh, speaks of this uh, very in depth in their mystic, uh, mystical treaties. Each of them speak like this about how to uh, 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 confront or be confronted by the other uh, that is not you and uh, on a personal level and on a societal level and uh, th that maybe that fear element is created by the incursions that we have done or have had done to us by various so-called alien life forms. And, and, you know, the way botanists talk about trees and stuff is like the same way. They're, they're taking over where uh, flowers may have been or flowers have, you know, each of the life forms does this sort of incursion into the other and t wipes out another form. There was even the Mars mission that the, I mean, it didn't pan out, but it was all those people, you know, who said, well, you know, who volunteered to go to Mars to be a, a one-way Mars colony, you know, on the condition that they wouldn't be able to come back. But, um, you know, just, just a few years ago, they had that, whatever that contest, not contest, but the, um, the, the group of people that, that, you know, volunteered to go to Mars to set up a, a Mars colony. Um, and that's even like, I mean, it's only really in the, what, the 20th century that we had the kind of intercontinental travel that meant that if you, you went to North America, you could still come back to Europe. Or, you know, if you went to, if you went to India, you could see, you know, your, your little, your little British manor before you died, um, uh, on the way back. Like, I mean, it's, it's such a new concept to have these vacations and for for the rest of of human history it's been like no if you want to go if you want to go settle somewhere you're not coming back home you know so i think we just kind of forgot that you know and seems to me that that the precedent for going to settle other planets is like yeah you're probably not going to come back um you have to so so hopefully i mean we're not going to be sending people to other planets that don't want to go to those other planets right so find the people that want to go to mars and send them to mars you'll you'll probably i'm sure they'll have a great time doing it you know some of the days are going to be rough but at the end of the day they get to be the first people on mars April 9th, 2020. Silently approaching drunk with strangers. We attempt jokes but stay stuck on head shakes and long sighs. Prolonged nervous staring at our afternoon skies. 48 hours earlier. The discovery of a glass object. Beneath the surface of Mars. One meter in length. Its age and purpose yet unknown. The taste of food has changed. Our plans feel insignificant. For the first time we are undeniably not alone. Our coastlines inching incrementally closer together. We stare into each other's eyes. So sorry. So forgiving. Abandoned since before the first birth.
if, if you do think about it in terms of just how much that would blow everyone's mind, like our entire life, everything we know, uh, interpersonal relationships, relationship with natural world, cities, all that, um, where all those social structures are there, like the, the ingrained racism, all that. But all of that, everything you've ever known is now separated from you in a sense. You start to realize like it's not just this planet, it's not just this structure. So whatever that thing is, um, it's completely unknown and challenges the foundation of everything you know. But I, I think it's an ideal that we, like I hear a lot, this idea of like, oh, the aliens will show up and then we'll all band together. I don't think that's the way it's gonna go. Like if you look at drone warfare in uh, countries in like Pakistan, uh, or like it's where they, like they had going over in Syria and all that stuff. It's like there's still tribal divisions. They're just like, oh right, yeah, this this fucking sucks right now, huh? Okay, well guess what? We can take advantage of it to exploit whatever it is we have to do. Uh, and that's not just a tribal thing. That's a national thing or whatever it is. Like I think we would take advantage of it actually. And just watch when something like that does happen. And, you know, like, I don't know if it's going to be a shard of metal on Mars, but it, it'll be something, you know, some there will be some inarguable sign that that there's there is there are aliens out there um, and sudden, like watch how quickly a bunch of people's opinions on whether or not this is important will change. You know, like there's, you know, there will still be political stupidity. There will still be business stupidity but what you'll get is you'll get a whole bunch of, of regular people who would have never cared about this you know in their lives suddenly will think wait what you're telling me that there's there's something out there and we don't know what it is we have to figure out what the hell this is I'd like to tell them that we would like to meet them and share things like resources and like stuff like that. Oh, I would tell them what qualities to the best of our knowledge um, we think makes someone or something worthy of moral consideration. We know and we're working on it. So I would try to tell them what we think consciousness is. And I mean, if their consciousness is, I mean, not more developed, I would say has additional components that we can't fathom. Um, I think it's important um, that rather than assuming that we're not conscious or that uh, we are so um, unforgivably, intensely unethical that um, we should be tortured. <laughs> Y'all figured this shit out yet? Because <laughs> we haven't. What you got? That they understand um, that in some cases maybe we're making errors, and in the cases where we're just being deliberately ignorant and allowing suffering to continue, that just because if you have the kind of consciousness we do, uh, human consciousness, just because you understand something intellectually doesn't mean you can bring yourself to do anything about it, to make things better. Of course, perhaps through that admission, uh, we should just be destroyed. 
I would always like to tell them, you be calm. I am calm now. Be calm. You know, I, I wonder if, if us being the invaders or, or even trying our best not to be the invaders, it'll just be a kind of privileging of a certain kind of species. Like, in a lot of ways, I think we're always looking for ourselves somewhere else. So even to bring up the, uh, the tool that we might find on Mars or something. Uh, and that's similar with all sorts of other cultures that historically and through colonial processes, even before colonial, like first contact, we're always looking for the things that are similar about us, and we value that, I think, the most. And the ways we're reaching out to them, we're looking for some kind of connection, like maybe the music or, or the words or something that's similar to us. But if we were to land on a planet that's shared by, like, giant pandas and humanoids, um, of course it makes sense, we'd probably privilege the humanoids, they're the most like us. But what if it's actually the giant panda planet? Like, what's our contact going to do? Are we then going to like feed arms to the humans to fight off the giant pandas? That'd be messed up. But I would say though, on that, the idea that maybe maybe we've been left behind by, by evolution in the universe, like, maybe, but like I was talking about before, there's just so many suns in the galaxy and like we already know we've we've discovered over the last five years we've discovered thousands of planets just in you know and and only in like a tiny chunk tiny chunk of the sky like it's so inevitable to me that there are other planets with nearly identical conditions to earth let alone you know nearly identical conditions to mars and jupiter that could have moons and and other stuff that we haven't even thought of that could have life on it and then when you think about that and you think well evolution works exactly the same on earth as it does everywhere else in the universe so it's gotta be that something is going to come along you know inevitably that's that's going to be on the same level as us you know even if we've been passed over by galactic civilization you know and they evolved to be energy beings billions of years ago the fact that you know over the over the four billion year history of earth we've had dinosaurs we've had sharks we've had crocodiles we've had fungi we've had trees we've had ferns we've had protozoa we've had viruses we've had bacteria like and that's just one planet and that's over you know the 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 three billion year time frame of like complex life on earth like there's that's that's a hell of a lot of variety and it's it's it would make no sense to think that if you gave another planet lipid bilayers and complex carbon molecules and time and heat something similar couldn't happen you know especially if you were to repeat that thousands of times on thousands of different worlds even in the tiniest space that or the time that we have been aware of each other here it is always uh, the abandonment of place for another place and also even in having the spot, the beautiful spot, the paradise, uh, so to speak, the paradise, you also destroy it. And, uh, and it's a very peculiar way of, of being, but 
that is the human, apparently human way of being that we want to propagate. So, uh, yeah, I, but like I say, it's just an, I guess in, in the end, it is an investigation of your, yourself and that, and that is all you can uh, know it as at the moment is just an investigation. Uh, and it is upsetting. Is it upsetting? I find it upsetting a Why? lot of the time. I find it to be, uh, I guess the confusion of it can be upsetting, although that can be the most beautiful thing about it. And it can also be upsetting because it appears sometimes to have no um, consciousness of the outside life that it says that it is seeking. It uh, Sometimes it appears as though you don't actually want to have communion or contact or communication with another thing. You just want to sanctify yourself or set yourself up as the one that has all things embodied in it. And that is what is upsetting sometimes. <laughs> say about outer space or aliens? Well, no. Thank you, as always, for listening. This episode's contributing voices are Carl Swanson, Lauren Gillis, Jeff Paris Ram, Ron Kelly, Blake Howard, Kaveba Bin Howard, Kasra Bin Howard, Glyn Bowerman, and Adam Burrett. The music and sound design were produced by Ron Kelly. If you are enjoying We Muse Aloud, Please bring it to the attention of someone that you feel confident has not been replaced by an alien doppelganger. If you feel someone you know may have been replaced by an alien doppelganger, offer them a glass of water. As everyone knows, our tap water is a deadly poison to many species of aliens. If they appear grateful for the water and they drink it without incident, relax.
Please remember to subscribe to We Muse Aloud on iTunes and to leave us a rating and a review. Follow us on Twitter at We Muse Aloud and on Facebook at facebook.com slash We Muse Aloud. Here is an interesting fact. On a planet not unlike ours on the other side of the universe, David Bowie is now the benevolent king of a race of sentient beams of light. Together they host unforgettable parties, and the music is incredible.